0: Tonight's very special episode of Friday Rollin' on the Bill Simmons Podcast. On the ringer. Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's CEO, Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee. Guess where he went? ZipRecruiter. He posted his job, found the best person for the role in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a candidate through the site. within the first day right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at zirecruiter.com slash BS ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. And there's a lot of sports to go to right now. Football starting in the NFL. It already started in college football. Playoff baseball is coming. Basketball isn't that far away. College basketball, Kyle's secret favorite sport. All that stuff is coming. For $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find a whole bunch of awesome podcasts, including the Ryan Rossillo podcast, which officially changed its name this week. He's doing three weeks. How's it going, Kyle? It's going great. It's Who do you like great. more, Amiri Rossillo?
1: That's you. Easily. Thanks. Like,
0: we're well, related. Yeah, but you love Rasilla though. Love Rasilla. Yeah. So we have that. He's talking football and backup quarterbacks today. Has he done a weird one yet? No, I think Wednesday's gonna be our first weird one. Oh, I hope. He's. he's we should call it Weird Wednesdays. Weird Wednesdays. Yeah. Hashtag. Weird Wednesdays on the uh, Ryan Rasilla Racilla show. So that started, and also the Ringer NFL show heating up, and we're gonna have uh, the Dynasty Football Podcast is gonna be giving you all the fantasy you need as well as maize and clark and we might have some surprises on that one too so subscribe to all of our podcasts don't forget to check out the ringer.com where this week brian curtis wrote a really great story about uh dan patrick and keith olberman who in the 1990s revolutionized everything we thought we knew not just about sports tv but even more than that and i learned some stuff in it but it's a really good feature check that out as well coming up friday rolling I'm going to give my thoughts on the game we watched tonight, Bears Packers. And then we're going to do Million Dollar Picks with Joe House and the debut of a new feature that we're going to have all the way through the football season. It's called Mallory's Most Intriguing with Mallory Rubin. So that's all coming up first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Thursday night, we just watched the Bears-Packers game. I hesitate to call it a game. Kyle had to go into the bathroom and wash his eyes out after. Mitch Trubisky was just an absolute train wreck. The Bears were terrible. The game was terrible. It was really awful. The Packers won 10-3, to and normally we don't like to overreact with um, these, these week one games, especially the Thursday nights with preseason becoming less and less relevant. But holy mackerel, this is a big moment for the Bears. This was, especially the defense comes out early, but there was a lot of Trubisky talk in the offseason. I was clicking right after the game. I was clicking on this NBC Sports piece from a couple of days ago, NBC Sports Chicago. And they were writing about how this is kind of like Trubisky's time potentially. That's at least what the Bears were hoping. And uh, the writer wrote, this is an organization from the front office to the coaching staff to the players, confident in its quarterback They've seen the strides Trubisky has taken in the eight months since he last played it down to meaningful football. They believe in his ability to not only operate Matt Nagy's offense, but operate it at a high level. That play-calling coach-quarterback relationship is at the center of the Bears' 2019 hopes. And then later, the GM, Ryan Pace, says, we use the words incremental growth. That's exactly what's happening with Mitch. I feel bad because um, when somebody's that bad, it's actually kind of painful. He was really bad. And it's funny because Collinsworth was announced in the game with Al Michaels and seemed to be way more confident in Mitch than we were. And then he made a terrible throw at one point in the late, in the fourth quarter. And he's like, that's the first major bad decision Mitch has made. He should have had five interceptions in that game. The Packers literally dropped two in the first half. He uh, he made bad decisions over and over again. He threw uncatchable balls. He was throwing those passes where the receivers are jumping up for balls they have no chance for and potentially, you know, are going to get decked on the way down. He missed a wheel route pass to uh, Davis on that last drive when, um, when they almost tied the game and then he ended up throwing a pick. I mean, he was just truly, truly terrible. And... Again, I don't like overreacting to week one at all in any way, but he failed that test so so convincingly and so devastatingly and so jarringly that now I don't know what to think of the Bears. I really thought they were a Super Bowl contender, and I thought he was at least going to give them a C plus. Now, I was really surprised by how bad their game plan was and just like... They were just way too, I thought, over creative. You know, like I saw some stat after the game. Ty- Tariq Cohen, um, was basically a slot receiver in this game. He wasn't, um, really being used as a running back. So if you're gonna do that, well, that's great. You should definitely do that. If you're gonna unleash David Montgomery, who everybody loved coming out of college who was a huge fantasy sleeper guy. And he rushed the ball six times for 18 yards. I actually liked some of the runs he had in this game. I thought he looked a little shifty. In general, though, they ran the ball 15 times for 46 yards, and they threw the ball 45 times for 208 yards, which is abominable. Um, Mitch threw one pick. He should add four. There were so many bad passes and discouraging plays. And I, I don't really know what to make of this. I know people are going to blame the preseason and say, this is what happens when we when we don't have a preseason. Everybody wants it both ways. Everybody hates the preseason, but then when we have a terrible week one game, everyone says we need a preseason. Um, I just wonder if this is going to damage this team long-term because – We've seen it go sideways with quarterbacks. I remember Jake DeLome, this must have been like 10 years ago, when he was just so awful the first couple of weeks of, God, what season was that? I remember writing about it week after week when it just was clear. He kind of lost lost the steering wheel. And then it happened again a few years later with Houston with Matt Schaub when, he, when they thought that Houston team was going to be a Super Bowl contender and he was just terrible, and it became pretty clear after a few weeks that he was unplayable. So we've – and I, I remember I wrote about that at the time too. We do see this happen with quarterbacks where if they kind of lose their confidence and they lose the steering wheel a little bit, and it happens early in the season, the fans get mad, the media gets mad, it gets starts writing about it every day, the Bears, they get overprotective or whatever team it is. And it just kind of snowballs. And I, I think that's what I want to see what happens with them, you know, next week and the next couple of weeks, whether this was a complete aberration, write it off. And we just know from now on, well, this is what happens when Mitch is bad. He's really bad. Or if this is the start of something a little more substantial, here's the problem for them. Now they're going to Denver next week and they're playing the Broncos and that Broncos defense, you know, is as good as the Packers defense. We saw tonight might even be, uh, might even be a little bit better. If that goes badly, that's a tough spot. That's a tough 10 days to hear about how bad you were in this game. And then you have Denver waiting for you. So, you know, again, not to overreact. No, it's the third time I've said that, but, um, this does has have the possibility to go sideways. Now, if you're looking at it from the pa- Packers' perspective, their defense is definitely better. I mean, there's no question. They it was much more lively in the front. They pressured, they pressured uh, Trubisky a lot. Sometimes he would stumble into the pressure, but they did look much friskier. And it was a pretty consistent thing. It wasn't a, in spurts. They, they, uh, they were consistently doing well. I thought in the front seven. And the secondary is better. Um, it seems like they actually got help in the draft. That was one of the problems with the Bears is, you know, they traded those picks for Khalil Max, So they didn't really have the talent infusion in the draft other than Montgomery. But um, if you're a Packers fan, you have to feel great about the defense. Rodgers looked terrible. He won the player of the game. He was good for a minute and a half of that game. He had one drive where he chucked one downfield for 50 yards Trubisky almost had the identical play, and they called—I think it was Taylor Gabriel or Miller, one of those two—for the push in the back pass interference. But I really didn't think Rodgers did much in this game. He put up ten points. He put up three points during fifty-eight minutes of the game, and then seven in the other two. Um, but I think the defense was encouraging, and that the chemistry and stuff on the sideline looked better. It, it is—it's definitely. You know the Mike McCarthy thing; they definitely lasted a couple. Years. It was like the relationship of the people that dated in college, and then kind of tried to keep dating after college. And when they would come to, you know, a party or meet everybody at the bar, it was just the vibe was off, and it just made everyone uncomfortable. That was kind of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers' last two years, so it does have that new fresh couple vibe. But you know, I I didn't think he looked. Certainly didn't look like vintage Aaron Rodgers, but it is early in the season. You know, I did think it was funny though, everyone was just crushing Trubisky on social media for for basically the whole night. And especially in the second half as it got worse and worse. And then in the in the stadium, the Bears fans were booing really from the second quarter on and were just getting more and more frustrated and just could not hide their disgust with what was happening. It was just nice to see sports fans being sports fans again. I was really worried after this Andrew Luck thing that if a moment like Mitch Trubisky, we would just have to greet in silence and be like, well, wait, don't hurt Mitch's feelings. He's a human being like us. Be careful. Athletes have feelings too. Don't say anything. Don't say anything to him. You wouldn't want someone to say to you. But no, people actually booed and acted like fans and I enjoyed it. I don't know where this leaves... Um, this Chicago season, but I can't imagine how devastated the Bears fans were here. Here they are all season worrying about their fucking kicker. And oh my God, what they brought in nine kickers came down to two. They brought in a third guy. That guy won it. He comes in in the first quarter has a 38 yard field goal. It's like the most tense zero, zero, field goal I've ever seen in my life. The crowd is like on pins and needles. It goes through. Everybody goes nuts. Everyone was so worried about the kicker. And meanwhile, their quarterback looks like he got worse. And if you remember the playoff game last year, he was really awful for <laughs> three quarters. Right? He was You remember that, Kyle? I remember that. And then the fourth quarter heated up and it was like it went into the Mitch microwave and kind of throwing darts. The weird thing about him He does, when he sets his feet and he gets, digs in the throw, you kind of know before you see where the ball's going, if it's going to be a good throw or not. He'll have the lazy throw where he just sails the ball or throws it to the other team. He's known to do that. But when he like actually steps into it, it's pretty nice. I don't really understand anything that they did offensively tonight. I don't know why they weren't moving him around. He's such a devastatingly good athlete. And they didn't take advantage of that at all. I don't know why they weren't just a little more conservative with uh, and trying to establish the running backs, especially Montgomery. I don't understand why he didn't play more, but even the first play of the game, they come out, they get all the momentum from a stop against green Bay. And then first play, they start out in a wildcat and Al Michaels is all excited. Then it turns not to be a wildcat. And then the play they eventually call is Tariq Cohen in motion and Trubisky gets it and pitches it to him. And the problem was Tariq Cohen was a foot and a half away from him and he pitched it to him and it hit him in their shoulder pads and was almost a fumble. And it's like, just hand the ball off to Montgomery. How, why are you making this so hard? What are you doing? Mitch Trubisky's your quarterback. What are you doing? These high risk, weird formations and all that stuff. Just hand the ball off and occasionally do play action and roll them out. And this isn't rocket science. Oh, It was frustrating, and I really regret putting money on uh, Mitch Trubisky in week one, coming off really no preseason snaps and a lot of hype. Going forward, all right, so who do we like in that NFC North? I like the Bears a lot less. Not ready to give up on them, but that was pretty discouraging, and I am worried about that Denver game next week. Packers, liked what I saw. Not sure about the running game, although Chicago's D is so good. Who knows? Let's, yeah, let's, let's see that next week. Chicago's D is a fantasy defense is looking good. It's our fantasy defense. Yeah. Um, Five sacks tonight. It's looking good. I have them in, uh, in another league as well. And, uh, and that was really it. It was a really awful game. But here's the thing, and I want you to listen closely, America. This is what happens when you, when you say you don't need the Patriots. This is what happens to all of you. Tell him. You're tired of the Patriots, tired of seeing them in the Super Bowl, tired of watching them win. You're tired of Belichick. You're tired of Brady. The league realizes you're kind of tired of all of it. So they say, all right, enough with this Patriots thing. We're not going to put the Patriots as the Thursday night, the Super Bowl champ slot. We're not going to do it this year. You're not going to get Tom Brady. You're not going to get the best quarterback of all time. You know who you're going to get? Mitch fucking Trubisky. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, America. So here's what happens. Mitch scores three points and repeatedly throws the ball to the other team. And the other team keeps dropping it. And that was your Thursday night. You deserve it, America. Sunday night, you get some real football because you get the New England Patriots. They're coming. All right. House is coming in to do million-dollar picks with me in just one second. First. With smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping, Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. Perfect for working out, going to work, going on dates, everyday life, whatever you want. They even have a line of silver underwear and T-shirts that are naturally anti-microbial Antimicrobial. Microbial? Microbial. Can you believe I used to write for a living? I can't say microbial, but that means they eliminate odor. So there you go. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. I bought a bunch of stuff on this website, MacWelton.com. You know, you know what they have that I really love that I don't have enough of that I just forget to reload on because you always end up spilling something or something shrinks or whatever. The Intrepid Long Sleeve Polo. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know what I love? I love a long Long sleeve sleeve polo. polo. Just throw it on. (laughs) Got a little collar. I don't really have big shoulders, but they have uh, crew neck t shirts, boxers, they have pants. You like the pants, right? You love the pants, the travelers. All right. So go to MacWeldon.com, check all that out for 20% off your first order. Enter promo code Simmons at checkout. MacWeldon.com, M A C K Weldon.com, Enter our promo code Simmons at checkout for 20% off your first order. All right, it's time. Let's do some Friday rolling. All right, looking ahead, we did this back in 2016. We did it intermittently in 17 and 18. Now, house, what time is it right now?
2: It's time for Friday rolling.
1: <laughs>
0: We're doing this. So last year I was having fun. I was I gave myself a million dollar budget of fake ringer money for, for picks every week. I think they're in the playoffs and I actually really enjoyed it. I'm going to do this now during the season on the third podcast of the week, which will usually go up overnight Thursday night, uh, heading into Friday. Um, House is going to be my conciliary. We'll see how long he lasts. I might fire you as my conciliary during the season. We'll see how you do. But I'm before, used to that. Before we do that, Let's talk about this Antonio Brown thing because <laughs> I, I have a couple thoughts coming out of the gate. One is this was the real. Yeah. Yeah. I have some thoughts. This is one of the rare trades that was just terrible for everybody. Cause for Pittsburgh, they took a big cap hit just getting rid of him. Remember They I think it was like a, it was something like 20 million or something for, for just to get, just to get him away from them. And for the Raiders, they gave up a third and a fifth, added him in, thought he was gonna be the missing piece. And now he has just hijacked year two of this John Gruden campaign where they had all these draft picks and it was supposed to be this feel-good last rebuild season before they moved to Vegas and officially exploded. And it's just bad all the way around. There's no winners. Is there a winner in this whole thing other than the people in a fantasy league who didn't draft Antonio Brown? I guess those are the only winners, right?
2: Well, there's I'm counting on us being winners as well. I mean, there's some gambling angles here that are yes, presented is. by this situation that yes. we ought to be able to take advantage of. Mm. I like it how is, you're thinking. It is, it is kind of stunning, though, the level of self-sabotage. I mean, the NFL of recent vintage has featured the wide receiver diva is there a bigger diva in, in any professional sport than the wide receiver position in the NFL? No. I mean, that, that's why they the, call them the divas. The Chad Johnson, the Odell Beckham, the uh, 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 Terrell Owens. I mean, what a tradition of divas. Yeah. But and, nobody, I don't think, has shot themselves in the foot in this manner. I mean, uh, the dude from the Giants literally shot himself in the leg. But he wasn't. He wasn't really diva status. I think Terrell came pretty close with
0: how the Philly thing ended. He really. He. I think people forget this was the biggest reason why I thought him being in the Hall of Fame was at least debatable because he really sabotaged his way out of a couple different uh, situations. And I think the Brown thing. This is the. I think you're right though. This is the worst self sabotage we've seen. But. His it, behavior has been so erratic. It almost makes me wonder if there's something worse going on, and it's it's hard right. not to default to that when you see football players with all the all the knowledge we have about you know how bad re- repeated hits to the head are, and then you see somebody who has just been all over the map, and he's been all over the map really since last year. He didn't play in their biggest game of the season for Pittsburgh. He sat out. It was, well, it was basically a, a do or die game. The odds were a little stacked against them, but they needed him. He didn't play and say, and really, so
2: this dates back to December and there's probably other stuff we don't even know about. Well, the, the other thing that kind of validates this observation that you're making, this mistake that he made with the cryotherapy, like a person in, in his right mind, that's not a, 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 a casual mistake. For a professional athlete, it, it who whose livelihood depends on his feet working, and and not just working, but like his his entire uh, success uh, uh, proposition it starts there, and he made that mistake. So, Adam Schefter did something
0: today in a tweet that I thought was uh, was really notable. He said, here's a tweet he did out of the many. He reported that this thing had happened in the first place. Raiders GM Mike Mayock has a strong opinionated personality, as anyone who has watched him knows. Wide receiver Antonio Brown is his own man. It created a combustible com- combination, to say the least. So last decade, Corolla was used to have this joke about if you say somebody's name twice, that usually means they're a huge pain in the ass. So if if you're like, how's Kyle doing? And I said, ah, you know, Kyle's Kyle. (laughs) Like instantly, you know, like he's (laughs) fucked up in some way. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And this was the old Manny Ramirez thing, right? When they would talk about Manny. I was like, ah, it's Manny being Manny. It's like, what's going on with Manny? Ah, you know, Manny's Manny. This now, with this tweet about uh, Antonio Brown, he's his own man. That's a whole other level. I mean, I really respect that. He's his own man, his own crazy man, his own <laughs> lunatic of a man, his own um, defiant, um, shooting his career in the foot kind of man. Uh, I just thought that was funny. It was kind of a moment, but this is kind of where we live in now where everyone is so afraid to criticize professional athletes. And in this case, like nobody really, you don't, there's no other choice. You have to criticize them for this behavior.
2: It is completely erratic, and and uh, you know indicative of somebody that doesn't have the the a group around him to help him think through things. There are judgment calls being made. Every judgment is the wrong judgment. He seems to be completely out of touch with uh, the the importance of his public persona. Yeah, here I mean every aspect of this from the minute he signed on. Well, not the minute because the first five minutes was a love fest, but really since he froze his feet, maybe he froze his brain too. I mean, maybe that happened. Froze Uh, his feet.
0: He came in, he actually sat in my office with me and his new like manager person back before the trade happened. And, uh, and we took a picture and people thought we were doing a podcast. I actually thought we were going to do one at some point, but you know, something happened, but, Talking to him for an hour, I got to say, I didn't I didn't feel like he was like crazy. I felt like he was really passionate. It seemed like he was smart. It seemed like, uh, you know, I actually kind of like talking to him. I got to say, I, I did not get the sense that this was somebody who was completely unhinged. I do think he's a really proud guy. That was one thing that came across in the conversation. But at the same time, like he was with this manager that he had. Um, or I guess it was his manager, it was whoever was running his life. And he told us the story how they met, and it was he had met the person at the Super Bowl, at this year's Super Bowl, and they had met at some party and hit it off, and like a week later, the guy was moving to LA to be his manager, and that that was how we met him. And it was one of those things where you're like, Well, that's weird. I've never heard heard a story <laughs> like that. That's that seems odd. Um and but that was the only really thing that made me pause. But you know, he talked, I don't want to betray some of the stuff we talked about. Cause he talked a lot about the Steelers stuff and stuff like that. But he did seem like somebody who really wanted a fresh start. Who was really tired of being in Pittsburgh and had issues with different teammates and things like that. And was really ready to embrace this Oakland thing. And I, I'm kind of shocked that it fell apart so quickly. doesn't seem like he's going to ever play a game for them.
2: I agree with this. It, it, in fact, uh, Oakland season win total odds are off the board. Mm. Vegas pulled them off the board, so I, I mean, I, you know, Vegas agrees with this idea that Antonio Brown is out of the mix, and I <laughs> guess good. we'll see what whatever it is that that Oakland could get can salvage in return. They have to figure out a trade, right? I they think they just outright release him. I think they might actually be better off suspending him so
0: that they don't get hit with the cap for him. I think is maybe a better way to play it. Oh, so if they
2: suspend him, right. So he doesn't count as a 53, on the 53-man roster if he's suspended. And that has the effect of avoiding. Avoids a lot of financial stuff,
0: yeah. And I think with the amount of money he makes, it would be hard to trade him anyway. And also, so have you you seen the way he's acted? What, What other team is watching this going, hey, man, we should get in on this guy. He seems fine. Let's grab him.
2: Well, look. I mean the the depths of what NFL teams are willing to go to to pull in talent. They they all think that they can you know be different for a guy.
0: Well, there's only one. There's really only one owner that would absolutely say fuck it, let's get him. And we both know who that is. It's Mr. Jerry Jones. Of course, it is. he would look it's at Jay this Jones. and go, "Look, he's does the Mark McGuire. I'm not here to talk <laughs> about the past." I'm here to talk about a guy who's a Hall of Fame receiver who's going to make our team better. I could see him doing it. A couple of my Pat's friends were like, A, B, question mark. And I'm thinking like, no, uh,
2: no, no chance. No, we're going to we're going to make the Super Bowl Zero. again. Please, no, no, no way. I do love where you're going, though. This Dallas thing. Let's look up the Dallas win total right now. Yeah. Over nine mm-hmm. is available at minus one ten. Oh,
0: I had mean, them I had them at you, nine and seven I picked the push for them the thing is he actually yeah. might submarine the total the next thing I wanted to ask you about this Antonio Brown thing it's kind of incredible he's not on the Redskins what what <laughs> happened there this would have been the ultimate Redskins story right I, I I can't believe he's not on your team
2: I out of all the things that this is exactly I will say this in the last handful of years there have been serial. Mismanagement of of very important players uh, for 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 the the Deadskins, but the Alex Smith trade had a logic, and mm. I, I don't really disagree with that logic. Not signing Kirk Cousins had a logic. I think that was pretty sound. I think ultimately the the Deadskins' decision making around you know just trotting Kirk Cousins out on on one year arrangements is is going to be borne out. Um, and staying away from big ticket, big personality free agents has kind of been the order of the day. They took a flyer on on Adrian Peterson last year. Yeah, it seems like there's some kind of reasonable decision making going on in Washington. Right, have, that's that's this, as far. This that's is too the long. on the season, Redskins, by the way, they're, the Redskins are going to well, suck I'm again. Done. Stop. stop Oh, the, they're going to be terrible. The fact I've already bet on the under six and a half. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I, I bet that in June. The first time that there was news about Trent Williams not coming out and playing, not showing up. Yeah. I, I immediately hammered the under because it they've, they've since ratcheted that down. It's now to bet Washington's under. Uh, oh, look at this. It's minus 240 now. And I got it at minus 145. Well, congrats. Can go under six and a half. You bet
0: against your own team and you're going to hell. Um the, the Washington Redskins are 10-point favorites. I mean, I'm sorry, 10-point underdogs this weekend against the Eagles of Philadelphia. It's our only double-digit line. We don't usually have double-digit lines in week one, and there is a little buzz on the uh, on the old Deadskins defense, so I was surprised to hear that. But you're right. They can't block. I, I've Is it Case Keenum? Have you talked
2: yourself into Case Keenum yet? A little bit? Well, I mean, Touch. I've talked. Talk myself into him in the sense that he is the quarterback of the Deadskins. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't gone any further go. than that. I have recognized that fact. Well, bringing it back to the Raiders, I was already all in last
0: week. I did the overrunners with Sal and did a big Raiders rant about, I just, look, I did this last year too. I just don't think John Gruden should be an NFL head coach anymore. This whole thing is ludicrous. Uh they have Mike Mayak as their GM now, which he handled this A B thing great. Always good to uh always good to go after publicly your your wide receiver who might fly off the handle at any time. <laughs> what were the odds that was gonna go badly? It was like, do you think he was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing an Instagram post, posting my letter to Antonio Brown? Nobody in his life's like, no, why are you doing that? <laughs> Definitely don't do that. He will feel antagonized. No. Um, but anyway, it, I didn't, it, It's stunning. I, I didn't like them last week. I like them less now. I laughed two days ago at my fantasy draft when he would, there was an Antonio Brown bidding. I thought it was going to end up at like, you know, 15, 16 bucks. And it kept going and it was going higher and it kept going. And I think it ended up at like 31 or 32 and we were oh all my laughing. God. We were like, whoa. You might have ruined your team. Now, I'm the same person who bid $48 for Nick Chubb. You know why? <laughs> you know why? Because I had a Nick I, I had a Nick Chubb in my pants. I just fucking yeah, love that guy. Did. I wanted him. Yeah, you did. I wanted him. I think he can win the rushing title. Um, but anyway, uh, I didn't like them last week. I like them less now. And that that allows us to pivot to a game that they're involved in, which is happening on a Monday night. It's the second Monday night game, which I've adored forever because it starts at Jesus. It starts at uh 1015 E.T. Yeah. <laughs> so uh it usually ends around 130, 145 E.T., which I just love. It's always like a weird announcing crew. It's always the Raiders or the the Niners or some terrible West Coast team. Always seems to be the home team. And Oh, the line moved to three. You dicks. <laughs> it was two like an hour ago. Ooh, uh, so what? Why do you care? I like this. You don't need the line. One of my million dollar picks, even before Antonio Brown lost his mind, was I couldn't believe the Broncos line. The Broncos, it was like pick them basically. Since the lines, since I saw the lines, I'm not, I'd never look at the lines until uh, I do guess the lines with Sal. Um, I guess they decided he was worth three points. I personally think the Broncos should have been three-point favorites to begin with. Sal and I both like them as a sleeper. I think their defense is going to be excellent. I'm not afraid of Flacco because I I really don't think he's going to be that involved. I think they're going to just be a, a run the ball, control the clock, throw it way down the field every once in a while, and then let the defense take over team. Bradley Chubb has a chance to be one of the two or three dominant AFC guys. They already have Von Miller. And I just feel like they have an identity. Vic Fangio um, coming in there, getting the belated chance, has a little bit of like a Mike Zimmer type of feel to it. And
2: uh, I just love the idea of them destroying the Raiders on Monday night. House, talk me out of this. I'm not going to talk you out of it. I agree with this idea of Denver going in and whipping the living daylights out of Oakland, but I don't like why lay juice why not and this is famous last word shit right here why not cash in on the chaos with a with a cash in on the chaos parlay bill simmons mm. i have two teams this week and 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 i'll acknowledge right up front this is running against a uh trend of yours that you've you've been touting for some uh, number of years so much so that the action network folks took recognition of it gave you credit for this yeah you, you want to play on home underdogs in the first few weeks of the season I'm about to put together uh, a parlay that runs absolutely contradictory encounter to that with my cash in on the chaos parlay Well, but wait a wait a second ha- let's
0: let's give those numbers really quick John Ewing on the uh, Action Network he researched this and I was surprised to find out that home dogs actually have not been that successful since 2003. They're 49% against the spread. I was stunned. I don't know why I thought that was going to be better. But what is true is what we said on the pod. Weeks one through four since 2003, 155 and 124 to, and versus 124 against the spread. Um, 31 games over 500. It's about 56% against the spread. And then after that, it dips and the home dogs are actually 47% the rest of the way since 2003. So that jibes with what we remember where, you know, seven weeks in the home dogs always seem to be like 20 and 13, 21 and 12, whatever. So anyway, go ahead. Well,
2: and and just to drive the point home, 56% success rate is a huge advantage. A hundred dollars. On, on on all of those games gives you a return of two over twenty four hundred dollars. Wow, so you if did you math. You every one of those games at hundred bucks. Twenty four hundred dollars. That's lining the that that's preparing the bankroll to get some yeah. things done. Now, uh, having recognized all of that, I am absolutely going into the square camp on the Miami Dolphins. Mm. I have have watched the chaos of the last two weeks along with everybody else i don't there might be a sharp angle on the dolphins i don't know what it is maybe it'll show itself eventually but i feel like there's an opportunity here early in the season to take advantage of these franchises that are in disarray self-sabotaging trying to to uh uh you know just poop all over themselves right out of the gate the cash in on the chaos parlay, if you put the Baltimore Ravens at minus 310 on the money line, along with the Denver Broncos at minus 150 on the money line, that pays off at plus 120, Bill Simmons. That's plus. So you don't have to lay juice on the three points with Denver. All you want out of Denver is a W. And I like my chances of Baltimore going down to Miami, starting off the season on the right foot. I can't come up with a scenario where the Miami Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens. That parlay pays off a plus 120. Why don't we start building some bankroll, Bill? What do you have for the Broncos' money line?
0: Minus 150? Minus 150. Yeah. That's pretty good. So I looked up. I don't think this is always the case, but, you know, you think about last year. We knew the Cardinals weren't going to be good last year. And we knew the Raiders weren't gonna be good. At least I felt very passionately that the Raiders weren't gonna be good, especially after they made the Khalil Mack trade. The Raiders lost by 20 on opening night to the Rams at home. The Cardinals lost 24 to six to your beloved Redskins. So that happened. Um, yeah, so the the worst teams in the league, Arizona was three and thirteen, Oakland was in a three way tie for four and twelve. The other two worst teams were the Jets and the 49ers who had their quarterback get injured. So that's not totally fair. But we we knew the Jets probably weren't going to be, the Jets killed the Lions in week one. So maybe this doesn't always work, but I think it's a good indicator. If you're going to suck, you getting blown out in week one is usually a good litmus test for you. Oh yeah, we actually do suck. (laughs) Here we are. We're going to throw shit at our fans right now. We're down 20 in week one. Um, I'm with you on the Ravens-Dolphins. I've been eyeing that money line as well. Now- can we talk about why we might not want to trust the Ravens yet? Go ahead. The Lamar bandwagon is out of control. And I say this as somebody <laughs> who has him in both of his fantasy leagues. I There was enough buzz about the running passing combo and the people they put in the young receivers they have. Have you read about these young receivers? Hollywood Brown, uh, Miles Boykin and there's all these articles like we're going to know each other this is the first game of the, the this is going to be us for the next decade like there's a real camaraderie with those guys and then they they just have a bunch of running backs and they're just going to pound the ball and do play action and i, I think it's going to be intriguing i i'm with you i i i like them minus 310 in in the first game
2: you might have talked me into it house I mean, it could be a fun parlay. You don't have to lay juice on 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 the points with, with Denver. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break, and
0: coming back, I'm going to tell you what I'm looking at, and you can, I'll bounce it off of you. Let's talk about fantasy really quickly. I'm teaming up with FanDuel to give you a chance to play fantasy football against me, Sal, and the trifecta. We did invite House. The best part, the winner gets to fly out to Puerto Rico to be our official correspondent for FanDuel's World Fantasy Football Championship Live Finals. You get an all expenses paid trip to enjoy four days worth of WFFC events in Puerto Rico. You get to be part of all the action. Go to fanduel.com slash ringer to enter and draft your week one fantasy team before the games kickoff on Sunday. I don't want to spoil who's in my lineup, but considering I'm somebody who spent $48 on Nick Chubb in my fantasy league, you might be able to guess who's involved, but I will tell you my lineup on Sunday night when we're doing the pod with Sal. Come in and try to kick our ass. Guess what? You won't. You could play against B, Sal, and the Trifecta in the Ringer Listener League on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Ringer to enter now. And we didn't invite house. Okay. For the most part, I wanted to do single bets because um, there's so much flux. In Exotics always lose. Well, there's so much flux in week one. I really only want to do, I bet my life on this kind of teases. So a couple teams that look like obvious teaser candidates. The Bengals are are 9 punt underdogs in, in Seattle and rightly so. You know, I think we all think C- Cincinnati has a chance to be one of the worst teams in the league. I like Seattle's defense. You know Clowney's going to come out the first couple games and be great then God knows what will happen after that. The, the Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, you know, they have a whole full year with that. I thought Chris Carson was really good the second half of last year. And that feels like they should win handily and we should come out of that game going, oh yeah, look out for Seattle. There's actually two contenders in the NFC West and everybody overreact. Do you feel that way about that game too or am I the only one here?
2: No, I looked at the uh Bengals in Seattle as a potential uh addition to this parlay, but the the money line is insane. You have to pay it's it's minus Seattle is minus 440 in this in that game. Right. Um, so I, I I left that alone, but I I what, what's the what's the scenario under which Cincinnati makes this competitive? Like how, how do they lose by less than two scores? I I, I, I can't articulate it.
0: So the other way to think about it is the six and a half point tees, which pays a little bit more. I think you're paying 130 for, for uh, 100. A little more of a vague. So you, you win 100 if yeah. you win. If you lose, it's 130. But if you do the six and a half point tees, you get Seattle down to two and a half so they don't have to win by a field goal. And then you get the Ravens basically to a pick them. And I thought, because they're at minus seven, so you tease that down to a half point. I'm trying to think how you lose that one. I played it out in my head. It's if Seattle has one of those weird games where like they miss missing it. You know Seattle will miss an extra point? Something goofy will happen, and they're up nine. They're one of those teams that for some reason will be up nine or 12. And you're like, oh, no. They're, do- <laughs> they're dominating this game, and they might not cover because something weird happened. So that would be the only scenario I'd be worried about. I think those two are both tease candidates. We should talk about Dallas really quickly, only because we know Zeke's definitely coming back, and that line has not really budged from seven and a half. Giants at Cowboys. Does anybody think the Giants are going to be good? I, other than the residue of Giants Cowboys, those two teams having a, uh, you know, a history of of especially Eli going against the Cowboys of occasionally getting frisky. It seems like that's the only thing people are afraid of didn't you think that line was going to be
2: higher or was it just me? I did not think that line was going to be higher mainly because of all of the analytics that talk about, you know, within division opponents. Um, and, and you know, those, those games historically tend to be less than uh two score kind of, kind of games, you know, like, I, I don't know what the percentage is. We need John Ewing for this, yeah. but, uh, that the the hook is the difference. Like seven points, I might lay the seven. seven. seven and a half, I'm definitely not laying seven and a half. And there's a lot of unknowns with uh the integration of Zeke into into uh the, the offense and what you know, what are we gonna see out of Dak uh right away? I, I feel like there's enough kind of unknowns and and the known quantity, you know, Eli's had a lot of good games in Dallas. I know. He, well that's for the whatever fear. reason. Yeah. So you you see him throw chucking the ball around. I I don't. That feels like a stay away game to me. I don't like the hook at all.
0: So your your biggest contention with the with the Giants is that a guy who's been washed up for three years might come back to haunt you. That's that's your case.
2: It, it's it's the best I can do. It's, and plus it's just Giants Cowboys in Dallas. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. Stuff happens well, kids, like I on mean, a bachelor they,
0: party. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, like the 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 uh Giants self sabotaged, uh, uh they lost a the game in the last couple of years because of some stupid set of uh you know uh decision making in the it, with the last yeah, yeah no, they I'm had not, in the fourth I'm quarter. A, like you it, know. It, it
0: does get funky. So I'll just tell you what I'm staying away from. I have no feel for that Falcons Vikings game. I'm staying away. The Eagles-Redskins line is too high. I don't, I just, I'm staying away. Bills-Jets, who the fuck knows what's going to happen with those two teams, I'm staying away. KC-Jacksonville, that's one of those, I want to watch that game really closely. And I feel like we can learn some real things from it. I do like the Jacksonville plus three and a half. I think it's a tiny bit tasty. So many people on the Chiefs bandwagon Jags have been brushed to the side, big dick Nick, all that stuff, but I wouldn't bet on it. For me, that's a
2: stay away. Okay, I that's one of the games I do like, and that's one of the home dogs that I think is especially frisky. They look a little even tasty. K- Kansas City kicked the the Jaguars' ass last year, but it was Patrick Mahomes' worst game of the season. Yeah, he didn't throw a touchdown pass; and he threw two picks, and he had the lowest passer rating of his entire career in that game. I have it written down.
0: I don't think I'm going to do anything with it. The Browns Titans I've been looking at only because I do think the ground is being paved for a giant Browns week one win. Everybody's fantasy guys do well. Everybody's super happy about it. And they get everybody's hopes up that they're a real contender. And then the wheels come off the following week at the Jets game. I I posited this to Sal and I liked it and I've kind of been sticking to it. So, I wouldn't put them in a tease, though. That, that to me, is more like a you bet the straight up with the over kind of parlay. The over for that game is 45. Ooh. So maybe even you tease that with the over and you're just like, I'm going all in on the Browns, putting up 30-plus on Tennessee, getting the over, something like that. I think the crowd's going to be crazy. I'm excited for that game. Rams-Panthers, we'll come back to. Mentioned Seahawks, Bengals, Colts, Chargers, we'll come back to. Niners, Bucks, I really like the Bucks pick them at home. And I don't mm. understand that line. And I don't understand why, what makes anybody think San Francisco's better than Tampa. Like realistically, they both stink. but I think Tampa has a better chance to be at least half decent and throw the ball around. I mean, these were, if you're in a fantasy draft this week, the Tampa guys, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mike Evans was a forty dollar guy in my league. Chris Godwin went for twenty. So they're people think they're going to throw the ball. I don't know if anyone totally trusts Jameis, but um, I don't feel as confident about the Niners. They, the Jimmy G preseason thing was just reprehensible. I I, I just you got to show me something with that. Detroit Arizona. That line is like it jumped out at me as suspicious. Detroit's minus two and a half. And yet, um, I can't make a case for Arizona because it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to block. That coach might be overmatched. And uh, to me, that's just a pure stay away. And then Pat Steelers, I think, is a stay away. And I think Texan Saints is a stay away. That Lions 6.5, wow. Saints. Saints, weird shit happens to them early in the season. You saw it last year. like They they lost to Tampa 48-40 yeah. in week yeah. one. I don't trust them yeah. in the first couple weeks. I think that's a team... You just kind of have to wait a couple weeks and come back to Um, any, any of those games that I'm skipping over, jump out to you as something you thought was a little tasty.
2: The only one is, is Detroit at Arizona. And again, I don't like uh, taking a, uh, going against a a home dog, Um, but I, I am, have been either. It's the case that Kingsbury is an absolute genius and what Arizona was doing has been a total rope-a-dope with the preseason. Yeah, or they are as atrocious and disorganized on the offensive side of the ball as they appeared, and they might not score this weekend. And th- you know this this kid Murray might end up on the bench after week one because so because I, they don't want to put him like, in a
0: bad situation. See, I'm leaning more toward they might be a disorganized disaster. And Kyler, because of what happened with Mahomes last year, and people just want that to happen again. And Mahomes might have been like a generational fluke. And the idea of just somebody else coming in and be like, whoa, he's slinging it around. This guy's having fun out there. I think he's going to be good. But new coach, we know nothing about the offensive line. The receiving core, it's basically Kirk who has was a fantasy sleeper who then was not even asleep by the time everyone had their drafts. And then Fitzgerald who's, you know, in his mid thirties at this point. And that's really it. So I I think that it's more likely for them to get blown out, but here's the problem. Do you really want to bet on Matt Patricia and Matt Stafford? Right. And
2: that is the issue.
0: The lions on the road. I like that. Ugh. All right. Here's what I'm thinking house. I really like the Rams it, it, minus 2. Huh. I I think they're strangely undervalued. They made the Super Bowl last year and really if a couple plays had gone differently, I think they could have won. Um people people seem to be nitpicking in a lot of different ways with them that I don't totally understand. The offense that we remember the last six to eight weeks of last season is not the offense they have now. Todd Gurley wasn't healthy down the stretch last season. It seems like he's been cleared. They have a real backup, Daryl Henderson, who really could not only give them change of pace stuff, but also like the guy catches the ball out of the backfield and Cooper Cup's back. They have weapons again. I, I think it's more realistic that they would blow out the Panthers and put up like 40 than to me the Panthers actually... Playing well and winning. I'm not sold in the Panthers at all. I think they're in a weird position. There's been some articles written about how they're it's kind of like a make or break season for this whole regime, maybe even for Cam. They have a new owner in there, and they're, you know, it's kind of the end of this old Cam Keekly era and then whatever this next decade is going to be for them. And I'm just not sold on them. I some people like them as sleepers. It seems like a pretty polarizing team. I believe in this Rams team. And, and if you're going to believe in this Rams team, this is a game they have to win, favored by less than a field goal in Carolina, a team that I don't think is going to make the playoffs. So how do I not take the points there, House?
2: Uh, this one feels like a stay away in the same way that you have the Jags and the Chiefs sort of set aside so you can just see what, what goes on. My counsel on this one would be, let's just sort of take under advisement uh, what's happening here. I don't like the um, trend of Super Bowl losers who come in to to the following season. There isn't a great recent track record, Atlanta being the most recent example of this. Um, I also don't like going against the Panthers at home uh, as a home underdog, six and two in their last eight games. They also have a good record, the Panthers, uh, against non-division Opponents. They're 12 and 2 against the spread when they're not favored. Yeah. So there's like just some trend things about the Panthers that that rub me the wrong way. I would prefer to sit tight and just see who shows up uh, with with this Rams team.
0: Okay. I heard you. I listened to you, and we're betting on the Rams. So mark them down. (laughs) Ignoring your advice. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) It won't
2: be my fault.
0: No, it won't be your fault. Um, second one, my Colts, I got, I got to back them in week one. Been talking about them for two weeks. There's some stuff I love about this game. One is that I still feel like people don't think they're going to be good. I even saw I saw a piece on, I think it was the Athletic. They had like the 20 predictions of the year, and one of them was, who do you think is going to be the surprise team? And not one person picked the Colts which makes me like them even more as a surprise team. I think people have just kind of shoved them to the side. I don't know who people think is going to win this division. Everybody seems to just love Houston and be all in on Houston, who, you know, is the classic inmates running the asylum front office. We have the coach just doing whatever the hell he wants. Uh, Duke Johnson at running back. I don't, I'm not saying they're not going to win the division, but I I just don't think they're a lock. Um, I, uh, I just like the Colts. They're getting six and a half. They're in LA in that weird Chargers stadium. 30,000 people. You have no Melvin Gordon. save you have Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson as your running backs. And I don't know. There's a lot of people who like the Chargers just as a contender. I kind of feel like I don't see how they're better than they were last season. Do you see a situation where they're better
2: than they were last season? No, but they were... Really effing good last season Yeah I mean And then they got uh, killed they, 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 But that's a matchup You know uh, uh, That's a that's okay. a, one of those the Single Patriots game matchup them. things Two yeah. other things Over the balance of the season They were a good team All season long Sure
0: And that was a year ago And things change in football And we see it every year They're also missing Their left tackle Russell Okung And then I have Derwin James Who everybody says Is their best defensive player Everybody So they're missing two of their key guys. And for some reason, the line is six and a half. That's really high. I feel like I'm getting at least two and a half free points here.
2: Well, here's part of what Vegas knows about the Chargers. Notwithstanding the fact that the Chargers have lost their season opener each of the previous three seasons, they own the AFC South. They beat the Daylights out of the AFC South. They're twenty nine five and one against the spread mm. since two thousand two. That's they good. are seven and two against the spread against the Colts, and there is also this trend line. And I got to give a shout out to my boy Big Al, hooking me up with the insider info. Big Al McMorty, Big <laughs> NFL teams <laughs> you're the worst favored between six and seven points in week one that won a playoff game the previous year have gone. 12 and O straight up since 2006 and 30 and four straight up since 1981. Those are powerful numbers, numbers, Bill Simmons.
0: How many of those teams didn't have their left tackle on their best defensive player in week one?
2: I don't know. I mean, this is I, all I do is look at the trends sometimes with these things. I just want to share with you some of the other considerations. So here's one of the things, if I'm,
0: if I'm getting points like this, a couple of things I love is can the team actually win the game potentially? I think the Colts could actually win the game. And did I, do I still feel like I'm getting free points? I just think the line should be chargers by four. So I know I'm getting two and a half points of value in this. I like Jacoby Brissett. I don't think he's bad. I don't, I think he can go on the road and, and not make mistakes. Kyle. Yeah. You also love Jacoby Brissett. Yes, I absolutely do. Six and a half points. We'll be watching this Sunday in the in, in the back.
2: The guy scores points. Yeah, Kyle agrees with me. I don't care if you don't agree well, with us. I'd like to be on the record. I love the Colts this season. I am putting in a future wager on them to to make the playoffs. I am putting in a future wager on them to win the AFC South, and I'm putting in a future wager on them to hit the over on their seven and a half win total. So I'm I'm bullish on the Colts. I just think that, that uh, a touchdown, the Chargers winning by a touchdown at home in game one is possible. That's all. I, I mean, I, I, I w- personally wouldn't touch this game, but I, I just wanted to share with you the considerations. That's all. That's very fair. Um. All right. The other one I'm looking at,
0: bron- well, two versions of this, right? Broncos minus three. And then a parlay, Broncos -150, Seahawks -440, and then the Ravens -310. What do you think that nets out to, house?
2: Uh, hold on. Plus would be a little bit better. Plus well, 171. I, I, wow. Yeah. I what if you add the Ravens into that? I have it. I have Broncos, Seahawks, Ravens. Oh, plus, that's, yeah, plus wow. 171. That takes the one that I, the, the the cash in on the chaos, which is plus 120 all the way up to plus 171. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of love this. So here's what I'm going to
0: do. I'm putting 300 K on the Rams minus two. I'm putting 300 K in the Colts plus six and a half. I'm putting 200K in the Broncos minus three. And then I am putting 200K on Broncos minus 150, Seahawks minus 440, Ravens minus 310 at plus 171. So that would win $342,000.
2: What do you think of that? I love the parlay. The parlay is the one. I've I've voiced my, my uh, concerns on the other ones. Not strongly held convictions, mind you. I just wanted to share considerations. You heard them. My question to you, I like what you've done. Why aren't you doing anything on the Patriots this week? Kyle? Scary. I don't know. I just want to enjoy
0: the game. It's been so long. I'm a little worried about, uh, I don't love the line. Okay. I, I think enough. they I think they jacked the line. I'm afraid of the Steelers team in this respect. I think they're undervalued. So the Pats, they're five and a half, basically. And I think the line should be like four. I think the Steelers are the third right. best team in the AFC. And they're not being treated with the proper respect with that line. You
1: that's, know that that's Pittsburgh,
2: the, Pit, the Patriots have never lost to Pittsburgh in Foxborough with Tom Brady at quarterback. I'm well aware. Not once ever. I'm well aware. And you you, you also know we are you aware that that defending Super Bowl champs in week one, when they open the season at home and aren't favored by six and a half points or more, have won eighty five percent, have covered the spread eighty five percent of the time.
0: So you're saying I should sprinkle some on the Pats? Like a touch. Like a touch.
2: You know what I mean?
0: All right. All right, I'm going to. I These are the final bets then. So I'm going to do 250K on the Rams minus two, 250K on the Colts plus six and a half, 200K on the Broncos minus three, 200K on the Broncos minus 150, Seahawks minus 440, Ravens minus 310 at plus 171. And then that leaves me a little bit of room there for a hundred K on the Pats minus five and a half.
2: Bet on your home team. Bet on your team. Uh, There's a Bowl effing effing defending champs. Sprinkle a
0: little. We'll see how it goes. You had a two part fairway rolling this week, a farewell to the golf season.
2: We had to put a nice, nice bow on the season. It was a incredible golf season. This year we had uh, my man, Alex Myers from golf digest part one. And then we got w- together with our ringer homies, Chris Vernon and Megan Schuster, the Megan Schuster segment, especially it was an unbelievable year in golf social Oh, the wow. social media. The guys really got smart. Phil Mickelson is you, we need to have him on the, on the BS podcast. I want to get him on fairway rolling. He's a, a effing tour to force. Everything that he, he was unable to do on the golf course, he made up for 15-fold <laughs> in social media. I, I can't get enough of Phil Mickelson on the Twitter and the Instagram.
0: House, a pleasure as always. Thanks for being on Friday
2: Roland. It's back, baby. It's a tradition unlike any other. All right, we're about to do the world premiere
0: of Mallory's Most Intriguing. But first, I wanted to tell you about CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, live 24-7. Costs you nothing. Sports coverage that's always on. It's always free. It's focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news coverage as it happens, fantasy advice, and something we care very deeply here at the BS Podcast, as you just heard. Gambling picks and analysis. To get that extra edge, I'm a three-decade-long fantasy gambling guy, maybe even longer. Um, It's not easy. When I turn on CBS Sports HQ, I'll see the tips and trends I need to win my bets have it on in the background. You can just put it up. Right now I'm doing a podcast. It's on in the background. Yeah, it's that easy. Download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or other connected device, whatever you have at any time. And you can watch no fake debates, just sports for real fans at the great price of, oh, it's completely free. Oh, and they have Noah Kozlov too sometimes. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app. Watch CBS Sports hq today and since we're here and since she was on the premiere episode we did for the comeback of rewatchables 1999 on luminary let's talk about luminary really quickly it's a podcast subscription service with some of the best content around that's where we had break stuff the story of woodstock 1999 that's where we have the rewatchables 1999 which is back for a little six episode run here we started with eyes wide shut this week we uh, they also have some some uh whole bunch of original podcasts, narrative podcasts. The app is free to download. You can listen to all your podcasts on the app, including this one. Music, TV, films, comedy, sports, more. Really, you should check out Woodstock 99 because it was really good. And you should check out the Rewatchables 99 if you love the Rewatchables. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash Simmons. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. luminary.link slash Simmons. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. All right. Mallory Rubin is here, uh, editor-in-chief of The Ringer, starting on October 1st. Mother of
1: Dragons,
0: (laughs) host of Binge Mode, which is returning what day?
1: I don't think we've said a day publicly. We're saying this fall. Sometime
0: this fall. (laughs) Binge Mode Star Wars. That's right. Big buzz, a lot of excitement.
1: May the pod be with you, Bill. A lot of
0: excitement. We did. We also did a rewatchable 1999 podcast this week on Eyes Wide Shut.
1: Boy, did we! You
0: showed up in a mask <laughs> and a gown. It was wonderful. I, did. <laughs> uh, I think some HR violations might have been committed. Yeah. Um, but know. it was it was a great pod for all of us. You can find that on Luminary. Mallory is going to be joining us during the NFL season with a new segment we're calling Mallory's Most Intriguing.
1: An honor and a privilege to be here with you.
0: I asked you to pick five people. Yes. Heading into the football weekend. Yes. That you were the most intrigued by.
1: hmm
0: And count them down to five to one. I yep. have not seen the list. I'm just no. going to react to the list.
1: Okay. Should um, we start with number five?
0: Well, should we talk about this assignment first? Let's do it. Because you over-prepare for everything. So how mo- <laughs> what was the preparation time this week? What was the initial list? How many people were on it? Like 30?
1: Uh... I started with about a dozen and shaved down from there, though spoiler alert. there are some combos here. Okay, <laughs> I figured you'll see. okay. <laughs> I was not able to just keep it to five people, though I did sincerely try, but I think you'll agree that the pairings they're all it's in the spirit of the exercise. I think it's within the bounds.
0: So Mallory, for those of you listening at home, is probably the number one football fan I know because you are a combo. yeah. Most people, especially when they hit late 20s, early 30s range. Mm -hmm. Initially, you're in high school, college, coming out of college. You're just watching everything on the weekends. Right. Then eventually you gravitate to one or the other and Mm -hmm. you become more of a college guy slash lady or more of an NFL person. Mm -hmm.
1: I love it all.
0: You've not gravitated.
1: I love it all. I definitely watch less. You Saturdays
0: and Sundays.
1: Yeah, I watch less college football than I used to when I covered it as a primary beat, but I can't quit it even though I've tried. I believe on this very podcast, I, I boldly declared last year that I was walking away from college football because I was so revolted by it. And while I, I still struggle with a lot of the aspects of being a college football fan, I, uh, I find myself there every Saturday, Bill.
0: The biggest games.
1: Watching Alabama Duke, whether I want to or not, you know? Watching Oregon-Auburn, whether I want to or not. I also, I love the draft, and so now, even when I think about NFL primarily, I still like to scout college players so that I'm informed come draft time. However, I did not know whether you would want to talk about college football. So I do not have any college football players on list. You always have the option.
0: It's your list. It could be five of anything.
1: I mean, you say that. I'm going to come in one week with like five characters from His Dark Materials. So you better set some parameters. That's,
0: it has to at least be a TV show I've watched. If you're going to do, <laughs> do Noah and the Affair, I'd be ready for it.
1: Oh my God. Can we do an affair top five at some point? I haven't watched this season yet. It's, I can't you're not wait. Missing much? I want to let a few episodes build up. You know, I want to put myself in the position of the characters. When things build up for them, good stuff tends to happen. They never make any mistakes.
0: I do like the concept of the affair, which is people can't resist making a terrible mistake that has sex involved.
1: Yeah, you which like is that basically concept? the whole show.
0: No, for a TV <laughs> show, I do. That's a that's a great premise. It never gets old. They bring yeah. in new characters. It's like, oh, they're going to make a mistake. Oh, that barista's looking at me oh, I'm gonna do something <laughs> dumb
1: Oh no Now I'm paying the consequences It is amazing that Even though the character perspectives The primary narrative The approach The editing The sequencing All of that changes Season to season The essence of it never changes nah. And that is We're all fallible Aren't we? We're all weak Aren't we?
0: The heart wants What the <laughs> heart wants And so do the loins
2: This season of the affair <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, I'm just glad that even though college football has violated your, some of the rules you have about humanity, mm-hmm. you're able to find comfort in the super clean, squeaky NFL.
1: <laughs> that's right. The pure viewing experience <laughs> yeah. that I need, I the, find on Sundays. <laughs> there's
0: no issues at all going on in the National Football League, oh. so that's a bonus.
1: It's tough to be a football fan, but on the other hand, I love football.
0: We should mention before you do your list, Yeah, Lamar Jackson is the second... Most important person slash creature in your life other than your cat Halo.
1: It's true. And if you want to save the Lamar discussion,
0: another it's spoiler coming.
1: alert for you. Why would I couldn't you? keep him off the list, I Bill. figured you
0: wouldn't be able to. Um, <laughs> Try, though, I may. been waiting to tell you this, though, because okay. I haven't told you this. I'm in two fantasy leagues this year. Okay. Because my high school friends wrote me back into being in the league I was in that I just... I left, and now I'm back. Okay. I have Lamar in both leagues.
1: Are they... Single QB leagues or two QB leagues? Single
0: QB leagues.
1: I support it fully and... I
0: felt like he had the highest upside because it's like there is a world in which he rushes for 1,200 yards and throws for, I don't know, 3,000 yards. It's conceivable. And if that happens,
1: he's an unbelievable asset. Bill, let me tell you what world that is.
0: (laughs) The real world? That
1: world is the 2019 (laughs) NFL season. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. It's a
0: lot of points. If you add it up, it's like, oh, my God. And then you throw in touchdowns.
1: I think there's a real chance he could be the top top scoring fantasy quarterback. It's very possible. I really do. Yeah, because even if he is, as a passer, let's say he's a QB2, okay? Or a low, low-end QB1. He's going to also be an RB2. And when you combine those, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, Michael Vick rushed for 1,000 yards as a quarterback in 2006. That's the list. Lamar's going to do it this year.
0: And guess what? Guess who was good to have it in your fantasy team that you're Michael Vick. So let's say he rushes for 1,100 yards. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's 110 fantasy points right there. Eight more TDs. Now I'm at another 48. I'm already at 148, 58 points. He throws for 3,000 yards. That's less than 200 a week. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now I'm at another 150. So now I'm over 300. And then any passing touchdown. Let's say he throws. He's his over under. I think was fifteen and a half. Let's say Ridic- he throws for eighteen. Ridiculous. That's seventy two. Now I'm now I'm in like the three fifty to three seventy range, yeah. which would be like the third highest quarterback.
1: Yeah, I that's think the, all
0: realistic to me.
1: Absolutely. The only thing that prevents that, obviously, is an injury. Yes. And that's a real concern. You know, I perish the thought. Obviously, but given the. Number of hits that he takes and the frame that he has, you have to at least think about it. But I think even if you wanted to be conservative and downgrade those passing numbers or account for missing a game here and there to injury or half, I think those rushing numbers that you just said might be low. Yeah. I really do.
0: I guess he would have to play all 16 to get to 1200. And there would have to be games where they're just like, we're up 30 to nine. You're not running the ball in the second half.
1: It's one of those things where the narrative has shifted so many times. And if you want to say this is number five on my list, Lamar and Flacco together. All right. So
0: let's start the list.
1: Let's let's talk about Mallory's Mar-
0: most intriguing week one.
1: I really as an exercise in in discipline and willpower. Not two of my strengths, as you know. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to try to keep Lamar off the list because I know this is going to be a, a well that I want to return to a passion of mine throughout the season but I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it because it is actually the thing that I care about the most. And then when you think about the the dual force of the Lamar sophomore debut and Flacco debuting in with the Broncos in Oakland before in Denver. the last
0: Monday Night Game.
1: That's right. These two, my son and my nemesis, are Forever linked. Like for the rest of their career, certainly for the rest of the time that Flacco is in the NFL, and how long that will be, I think who can say? They will be linked because at the end of the day, while it took half a season longer than it should have, Baltimore chose Lamar over Flacco, and now Flacco is on the How is
0: Flacco the loser in this whole thing? You got a Super Bowl out of him. He's not he ran his course and then he immediately got shoved out for Lamar. He didn't block Lamar. I
1: wouldn't say immediately.
0: I wouldn't say immediately 10 games
1: say what immediately Lamar's he's, he's a rookie I wouldn't say immediately
0: I don't think Flacco's not your nemesis to me you no, are Logan you're Logan Roy <laughs> Thank Lamar you. Shiv and Joe Flacco is uh, is poor Kendall oh you've you wow. carved up his murder you kicked him the curb and you sent him to Denver
1: I feel like weirdly that was a huge compliment for Flacco I thought it was for you <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: it's a huge compliment to be compared to the to heroin handle? using broken, number failed one, takeover sure. person.
1: At the end of the day, granted, it took a drug transgression and the murder, manslaughter, if you want to be charitable, to get to this point. But his father wrapped him in his arms and said, You're my number one boy. Mm. And that means something.
0: But he didn't mean it.
1: Flago's not my number one boy, though. I wish him well.
0: Lamar is your number one boy.
1: Lamar's my number one boy. I think that there's a chance that Flacco has an okay season. Me too. Which is a little tough. <laughs> I do wish him well, but I think that the fact that anytime Lamar has a bad game and Flacco has a good game, they're always going to be compared to each other. It's just going to be this thing that hangs over the season. I'm married to a Broncos fan, so this is another thing. Flacco is just still in my life. I'm going to have to watch every one of his games. I can't believe it. Week one, Lamar gets the Dolphins. You literally could not hope for a better starting note to the season, a better initial matchup. The Dolphins are a disaster and that defense is a mess. And specifically, they have one of the worst pass rushing pass rushing units in the league. So he's going to have time to get set to see the field to hopefully make good decisions.
0: And they've waved the white flag already.
1: I mean, yeah, they're tanking. The full-on tank. Yeah. Tanking for Tua.
0: I like when they pretend they're not tanking. We're not
1: tanking. We, we want to trade what? for Jadevian Clowney. We just, we
0: just couldn't, we couldn't turn down this awesome deal that gives away our best left tackle.
1: The... Broncos are opening with the Raiders, who are also a mess. Yeah. Another spoiler alert. We'll be talking about the Raiders shortly. Great. Opening in Oakland. So Flacco's specific, very positive history at mile high. We'll have to wait a little bit of time for that to kick in. But he does have... A lot of good history playing in Denver. You know, the defining play of his career, the 70-yard mile-high miracle, the touchdown pass to Kobe Jones to win that playoff game. Who
0: was the D-back who fucked that up? Raheem Moore? Think of us. Think that's who it was. If it wasn't, my apologies to Raheem Moore.
1: <laughs> I have such a vivid memory of watching that game. Adam stayed in New York and I went to Baltimore. We couldn't watch it together. Oh, that's... It's incredible. I watched it with my dad. Jesus. Yeah, it's just a a very special moment in my life. So then you look at who he has on the team, the skill position players on the Broncos, I think leave a little something to be desired. I mean, how much Emmanuel Sanders has left in the tank I think is unclear, especially coming off the injury. I actually drafted him in a couple fantasy leagues last year and was pretty high on him. And now I'm like, you fucked me. Prove it, <laughs> which is not necessarily a healthy way to assess There's talent. Better than but fantasy
0: animosity,
1: just completely blinds me to whatever the actual reality is. But you know the run game with with Lindsey and Royce Freeman, strong. Uh,
0: There's a case that mid-tier they could be, offensive line. Yeah, they could run the ball a lot and then put him in play action. He just throws the ball downfield and sometimes people catch it.
1: The other thing is, unlike okay, the
0: Joe Flacco offense.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Unlike last year, where. Every single week, it was like, when is Lamar coming in? You, they can't do that with Drew Locke because Drew Locke is on the IR.
0: Right, for what, eight weeks? Right,
1: he's got the injury. Yeah. So that buys Flacco some time that I think will be very beneficial for him for his frame of mind. There was a scenario here where him having to go, and and to be clear, Drew Locke is not Lamar Jackson. My husband is also a Missouri grad, so I also had to watch an astonishing amount of Missouri football and thus Drew Locke tape, but those questions about when the new era should begin just aren't even going to happen until midway through the season. Now, you factor in the non peyton Manning, John Elway quarterback history, and it's, like, pretty bleak. Yeah. And Flacco's recent career history is somewhere between mediocre to pretty bleak. So that's not necessarily an ideal combo, but I think he'll be okay. And then you have, you have Fangio coming in, who obviously is not a quarterback guru, but I think is somebody that everybody thinks will be... An instant improvement over Vance Joseph at head coach. So you like the Broncos? I do. You they picked were them as a playoff team. So
0: I did million dollar picks with House, and I had the Ravens in a parlay, and I had the Broncos. Right. So I, I think there's a world in which everybody wins this week, and maybe there's stories on Tuesday about isn't that great how this worked out? Lamar gets his team. Yeah. Flacco, a little bit of a rebirth, and then Flacco eventually will turn into Flacco, but. I don't think it happens week one.
1: The Emmanuel Sanders quote that he issued to local media recently, Flacco's a baller, probably one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Him and Peyton Manning, they're close. That's the kind of thing where I'm like, this is going to be a disaster by the second quarter of week <laughs> one. Because that's actually just not a normal or, or rational well, thing Well, he to played say. with
0: like end of his career, Peyton Manning, though.
1: <laughs> that is ludicrous. <laughs> I'm right. sorry. That's absurd. Lamar, meanwhile, everything everyone's oh, saying. Back to Lamar feels right to me. Yeah. feels good. I also think— It's true love. It, well, it's just, what's the, hu- what's the main difference between year one and year two? It's not just that Flacco's gone and that shadow isn't hanging over. You're, Lamar isn't always going to worry about, oh, are they, oh, they going to pull me for RG3 or Trace McSorley? Like, that's not going to happen. Every time he made a mistake last year, it was a chorus of, are they going to turn back to Flacco? So that's gone. But the main thing in addition was to kind of like that, a
0: rescue dog, like Olivia—
1: Olivia is every wonderful. Time,
0: every time I leave the house and Olivia looks at me and wonders if I'm ever coming back, that was Lamar after a bad pick. This is, you're not going to yank me now, right? Now he, now it's his team.
1: Rookie quarterbacks always have to deal yeah, with things
0: they're lo- like that. They're looking at the sideline like, is that it?
1: So there's year Did lose your trust? But what else does he have? He has an entire team that was built around him and for him. Yeah. The way that they rebuilt the, the, the offense, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator now, look at the draft class. Hollywood Brown was their first round pick. I lost my mind when they picked him, the receiver out of Oklahoma. That is thrilling to And me. somehow
0: he's not your best rookie receiver.
1: He's not. Miles Boykin looks fucking incredible. I have him the in Notre both of my Geek leagues kid. too. He looks amazing. And then Mark Andrews at tight end is maybe actually the receiver number one on the team in terms of how they use him. Then you look at the running backs, Gus Edwards is still there, but they added Mark Ingram, drafted Justice Hill, who's a burner. Like, he's the kind of guy they haven't had in the backfield in a long time. That's a good offense. And then a healthy, hopefully, Marshall Yanda coming back to the offensive line if Ronnie Stanley can stay healthy and they're calling plays based on the skill of the most important person on the team. That is pretty thrilling to me. I I think Lamar's going to have an incredible year. I can't wait.
0: We should mention you are a Lamar truther.
1: I just am speaking facts here.
0: You were, when uh, in the playoff game last year, you were like Neil's mom in Dead Poets Society.
1: Continue. He's okay. He's okay. Here's the thing. He was okay. None of that was his fault. Also, he was a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. It's
0: fine. We tossed it away. They
1: played the Chargers two out of three weeks and they didn't adjust the game plan at all. That's on the coaching staff.
0: I don't blame him at all. I'm, I'm I'm in on Lamar. Who's when they
1: started to call plays with confidence We're in, in the fourth quarter, you. he looked exceptional.
0: Who's number four on the list?
1: You believe this, Kyle? Number four. I am sincerely interested in seeing the beginning of or the only year of the Jejevian Clowney era in Seattle mm. after the trade. I think this is fascinating. First of all, again, the schedule makes this particularly intriguing to me because they open with Cincy. Cincinnati has a chance. I mean, everyone's talking about the Dolphins. Cincinnati has a chance to be the worst team in football. Yeah, like, agree. really has a chance and definitely has one of the worst offensive lines. So you look at the Ziggy Anza and he seems to finally be healthy. And then Clowney combo as the edge rushers going against that line. And that is going to be ugly for have, the Vegas. I have that
0: defense in both fantasy draft. noticing uh, a pattern too. here. No, I just, I like their defense. I think they're going to be good.
1: I think they're going to be good, too. The way that they're all talking about the defense using words like scary and fierce and Carol is comparing them to the Bennett Averill defense. Like, obviously, we're beyond the era of the Legion of Boom and Earl Thomas is now a proud Raven, I might add. But smartly replacing key spots on that defense. Yeah. Yeah. Clowney is simultaneously one of these guys who, you know, he was he was not only the number one pick in the draft in, in 2014, but he was he was the number one recruit. You know, you said college football. I also also follow high school football and recruiting because I have an illness. Yeah. He was like an all-time generational recruit. Uh, signing day when he did not actually sign, by the way, completely revolved around what his decision was going to be. He's been an obsession of the football world for years at this point. I remember, and,
0: didn't that Grantling we wrote a piece about? Should he be able to go right to the pros? Or we had something like that, Yeah, well, there was a big... There was was a a big debate. There
1: was a big thing in heading into his junior year at South Carolina about whether he should sit out and basically protect his body. This was when a lot of players were getting injured, compromising draft stock or their future. This was also a big moment for the conversation around like insurance versus what your ultimate NFL contract was going to be. And then we started to enter the era of like star players sitting out bowl games. So that was a big part of his... Early Legacy, too, because a lot of it was like he's going to be the best defensive prospect in the NFL in decades, and he didn't he didn't follow through on that level of hype, but that doesn't mean he's not a good player and I think it's one of those things where there's been a little bit of a muddying of Not even his reputation, but just an understanding of the kind of player he is because everybody thought he was going to be generational and he wasn't. He hasn't hit a a double-digit sack total, for example. And that's the kind of thing, if you're scouting an edge rusher, that you just look at. And if you don't see, you say, oh, he's really underperformed. But, you know, Riley Maxey wrote about this for the Ringer. Like, if you look at the advanced metrics, they show a different caliber of player. And I think it's also the kind of thing where even though the Texans have had a good defense, you put him in the Seattle defense, in that machine. He just feels like the kind of player. There's some intangible aspect there where it just seems like he'll be the kind of guy that they can unlock. And he's in a contract year.
0: Also, can you really try your hardest when J.J. Watt is right next to you?
1: I mean, yeah, you're never going to be the guy on that Texans defense.
0: You're not. Also, you have to hang out with J.J. Watt all the time. (laughs) You're giving like 80%. You're like, I don't, I don't want to do my best.
1: Clowny always had other interests, like opening vape shops. Remember that? <laughs> yes. That was an incredible thing that happened. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> Can't wait to see what he does in Seattle. <laughs>
0: that's when he got on Kyle's radar. Kyle's <laughs> like, who's this guy? I uh, I agree. That I'm with you. You know, I love narratives and gut feelings. That's to my detriment a lot of times. <laughs> um, something feels right about the Seahawks thing. Yeah. I can see him in the jersey. He hasn't had a career year yet. It almost reminds me of that like a young, talented actor, or actress. Mm-hmm.
1: Finally who, got the role they've been waiting yeah, for. Yeah, and we're yeah. like, oh,
0: I've always liked them. Oh, this is great. Totally. I'm so glad.
1: And the other thing, too, again, this is kind of in the intangible gut feeling category, not like something empirical, but he wanted to be there. You know, he, Texans not having a GM right now and completely fucking up how they handled this is, separate from how he'll do in Seattle, but is related because that part of how you assess his ultimate impact is that Seattle barely had to give up anything to get him.
0: So stupid. And
1: that if he doesn't ultimately sign a long-term deal, they'll get a comp pick. Like there's, there's really no risk for them. It's a $16 million franchise tag, one year investment with the prospects for something long-term if it works out. But because he hadn't signed his franchise tender, he had leverage. He had the ability to say, if you trade me to a team I don't want to go to, like the Dolphins, that was heavily reported, I'm not going to sign. He wanted to be in Seattle. That means he wants to play hard for them. Yeah. And that makes a difference.
0: Why didn't he, Kyle, why didn't he say, I want to play for Bill Belichick in the six-time oh champion of England Patriots? Because that's what I would have done.
1: Oh, my God. Jamie Collins is enough for
2: me. I'm, yeah, just, right? I'm still Yeah, high Kyle loves Collins. having Jamie
0: Collins back. Uh, hold on, we're taking a break. Then we're going to number three. Let's quickly talk about jeans. I wear jeans almost every day when it's like under 65 degrees. I'm in on jeans, but finding the perfect pair is tough. That's where RevTown comes in. A few former Under Armour guys started RevTown by taking everything we knew about it, athletic apparel and applying it to jeans. The result, the most comfortable jeans you'll ever wear at RevTown created a proprietary fabric that combines Italian mill denim, a little bit of stretch, and a strong durable thread just like the stuff used in football uniforms and workout gear. Kyle, what was your experience like? Well, they made me feel special off the bat, so that's a winner right there. And the the, the pants feel great. I can sit down, they feel good. When I stand up, they feel good. I can't wait for... They, I heard
2: women's sizes are coming.
0: You were a little sweet on the on the person that helped you. She was
1: nice. She was really nice.
0: I heard you were a little sweet. Nice lady. <laughs> because RevTown deals directly with its customers. They sell their premium jeans... At more than half the price of other designer brands. See for yourself at RevTownUSA.com slash Simmons to get you in the right jeans this fall. They're offering something special for our listeners. They're giving away a few RevTown crates. That's two jeans and three shirts on us. Head over to RevTownUSA.com slash Simmons. Enter your email for a chance to win. How easy is that? RevTownUSA.com slash Simmons. Just enter your email. You might live some clothes. There you go. All right, back to my All right, three left on Mallory's Most Intriguing, and then we're done. This is great. I'm really enjoying how this is going so far. This
1: has been fun, yeah. other than...
0: When I compared Joe you, Flacco to Kendall Roy? I actually, oh.
1: I really enjoyed that. I was going to say, when you needlessly mentioned the Patriots, but...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. At least sure. for five more minutes. <laughs> yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> you, you won't do that again until I say what number three is.
0: Okay, what is it?
1: <laughs> this is your favorite thing to talk about the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Dave Chappelle?
1: Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Your second favorite thing to talk about the last couple weeks. The Colts in a post Andrew Luck world.
0: Oh. They've already made, they've already been represented in million dollar picks. We jumped on them plus six and a half. Are you gonna make me feel bad about this?
1: No. I'm kind of hyped for them. Yes. Yeah.
0: Come join us.
1: The more I read about Jacoby Brissett and everything that. Frank Reich has built and everything about that team and what they've done on the offense and the strength of the line. I feel like the team can be pretty good and not, not to say there's no drop off when you lose Andrew Locke, that would be a, r- a ridiculous thing to say, but I think Jacoby Brissett can surprise a lot of people. And I think the team can do pretty well They're again, benefiting from potentially a, week one that works in their favor. The Chargers are a good team, but I also think the Chargers are a debacle right now.
0: No left tackle. We covered it yeah, with, with House. No right. left so tackle. Okunga's out. Derwin James is out. 30,000-seat home stadium.
1: The Derwin James thing in particular, though, when you're going against the quarterback who's trying to find his groove and prove yeah. that he can command the offense, the difference between having Derwin James on the field and not on the field is kind of the only thing that matters. He's, like, the most versatile defender and one of the most gifted defenders in the sport. That's been true since he was a freshman at Florida State. And that is just a huge thing for the Colts to benefit from in week one. And then if you look at the schedule a couple weeks after that, I mean, the Titans in week two, Eagles, Raiders, Chiefs, bye, like can they be three and two heading into the bye? I say yes. I think they can too. I think there's a real chance. You left out the
0: nobody believes in us in this except everyone in this locker room and Bill Simmons and Mallory Rubin, who I'm sure, who's the Quentin Nelson? Yeah. Maybe he'll be saying that after during the week six bye. You think that'll so be- the, two people that believe The chance
1: us. that the mic'd up is picking up, I guess that video yeah. ended up being fake, right? The, the one yeah, of him like I think it was grunting fake. and chirping while he was yeah. in his box. But you mentioned Quentin Nelson to the line. I mean, that's a huge thing, right? An absolutely elite They've offensive spent line. spent years
0: building a line so Andrew Luck wouldn't get hurt anymore. And then he retired when he finally had the line.
1: So this is the thing. But we're not judging Andrew Luck. We're not.
0: Happy for that guy.
1: Andrew, follow See, your If bliss. you're listening
0: in, the, in, in a burka right now- <laughs> The mountains somewhere in Tibet. Good luck, man. All happy for you.
1: The tendency, the initial tendency, is to look at what Jacoby Brissett did when he was last starting for the Colts, right? Not fair. Not fair at all. It's reasonable as an initial instinct, but it's ultimately nonsensical for the reason you just said, which is they've rebuilt the entire line that he's playing behind and a lot of the offense around him. But playing behind one of, if not the best pass-blocking offensive line in the entire league. Then you have Brian Hoyer coming in. Little little veteran mentorship, right? Someone to help him feel confident. He's got the two-year, $30 million contract extension that he agreed to. You're Another confidence yeah. boost. Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines. It's a d- decent backfield. It's at least okay. I like
0: Marlon Mack. I'm higher on Marlon Mack the most.
1: I'm not super high on Marlowe. Like but him. it's it's enough. It's yeah, enough. Serviceable. And then you you get to throw to T.Y. Hilton. I'm into Devin Funches. I think he has a chance to be good. And I think the fact that he like and less. Brissett get to develop chemistry together is probably huge. And then
0: we'll know if they have a handshake after a touchdown. Yes, or like, some like a sort special of celebration. Dance. Yeah, That's a good they thing have to a look a Celebration, for. I'll be like, oh, it's on with these guys.
1: There's no way that Eric Ebron's touchdown pace is sustainable, right? That's no. literally impossible. Prime regression candidate. In all of the sport, but still a red zone target, and so is Jack Doyle. That's a pretty good offense to have to be plopped into. And then I think, specifically, again, no one is arguing that Jacoby Brissett is as good as Andrew Locke. That's not the point. It's whether the system that he is asked to perform in can help facilitate his success. And I think the answer to that is yes. And so.
0: Well, and wait, one more thing on that. I think Andrew Luck had he been just healthy this uh-huh. year, I think he would have had an incredible year because right. it had all been kind of building toward this year for them. Uh-huh. So now Brissette just kind of gets the to career come year in.
1: that you always like to say he never had.
0: He never had, but it's built for somebody, and it could be Jacoby Brissette's eighty percent version of Andrew Luck's career year. That's a good season,
1: right? So before Reich was the Colts head coach, he was the Eagles' offensive coordinator, yep. and. What did he famously have to deal with as Eagles offensive mm. coordinator? Losing Carson Wentz yeah. and having to turn to Nick Foles. Now, obviously, Nick Foles had more experience as a starter in the NFL than Jacoby Brissett Huge had. cock, too. They don't call him Big Dick Nick <laughs> for nothing, folks! <laughs> 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 Kyle's blushing as much well. as he's the color of his, like, it. tea Kyle in loves the corner Big Dick there. Nick
0: jokes more than anyone. And Nick Chubb Same. jokes. Same. And Nick Chubb <laughs>
1: And Bradley Chubb. We got we got a, <laughs> a lot, lot, of of, lot of dick names or nicknames yeah. out there. Great dick names. So he had to recalibrate what the Eagles offense was, yeah. right? T- leaning on play action more, leaning on RPOs more so that it could work for Foles. This is just a different version of that, except it almost doesn't have to be adjusted as much with the Colts as it was with the Eagles. And this is something that Danny Kelly wrote about for The Ringer when he wrote about Bursette. The Colts offense was already redesigned, to your point, to protect Andrew Locke, especially last year because of the shoulder injury. Couldn't let him get hit. Couldn't let him take the kind of damage that he had taken before. So it was a lot of quick drops and quick passes, short throws, intermediate throws, the like deep ball Hilton offense that had kind of defined those prior years. That wasn't what their offense was last year. That's a much easier thing to ask Jacoby Brissett to slide in and try to do.
0: And I think he can also create some plays with his legs, which younger Luck could do, but the, the version of Luck last year.
1: He used to be a, an oh, he incredible was so runner. Up. Yeah, I know. Just, he
0: wasn't the same guy.
1: Watching him at Stanford, oh my God. It was honestly unbelievable. He was mm-hmm. so special.
0: Well, I'm with you on the Colts. Who's number two?
1: Number two is another duo.
0: Okay.
1: I had them at number one until some events that occurred today mm. moved someone else into the number one spot. Yeah. Number two. Kyler and Cliff. Rookie quarterback, rookie coach, number one pick in the draft. New coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Does it have a chance to be an all-time disaster? Sure. But I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be fun as hell every single week and especially right away. I cannot wait to see this. Kyler, another one. I remember back at Grantland, chatting with Chris Ryan when Kyler was still a recruit about whether he should go play baseball out of high school or whether he should play football. He is such an exhilarating athlete to watch. Yeah. Like as sports fans, that ultimately is, you know, we, we get into, we're in the advanced metrics era and we talk about the data and DVOA this. But at the end of the day, there's something about being a football fan that boils down to this. When you turn on your TV to watch somebody, is it fun? And I think Kyler Murray, other than like Baker Mayfield and a couple other people, has the chance to be one of the most fun players we get to watch this year. He's going to struggle. All rookie quarterbacks do. I think the questions that followed him into the draft are going to hang over his rookie season, too. Is he too small? Can he take the hits? Should he have taken the what ultimately ended up being like close to 20 million dollars from the A's instead to play baseball? Et cetera, et cetera. He's always going to be compared to Josh Rosen, though, of course, Josh Rosen doesn't look like he's going to play. I mean, he he is currently losing a quarterback battle to Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, on a team that is deliberately tanking and trying to lose games. That's, That's a tough beat. So I don't think he's going to have to worry too much, even though I am still a Rosen believer and I know you are too. I don't think he's going to have to worry too much about, oh my God, how, how could the Cardinals have possibly justified trading Josh Rosen one year into his rookie contract, a top 10 pick to go take another quarterback in the top 10, number one overall. He had an interesting preseason, but I kind of think it's one of those preseasons where we don't really need to read too much into it. On the one hand, it's just literally his because
0: first, nothing good happens.
1: Well, it's his first. Well, it's his first exposure to NFL speed, even in the preseason. So it's his of course, first
0: exposure to not having any blockers.
1: That line is a problem. It's that's his going first to be exposure
0: tough. to just running for
2: his life.
1: I do have a note here that says playing behind this mostly the same line that broke Josh Rosen. Which yeah. is I mean that's not completely true. They did change a lot about the line. You know, they traded for Marcus Gilbert. They signed J.R. Sweezy. Aq Shibley's back from injury. They signed Max Garcia. They drafted a couple linemen. It, it, there is different personnel there. At the end of the day, the line is still like graded out by PFF to be one of the worst in the league. It's a problem. That part. The infrastructure is what worries me. As Joe Girardi would say, "It's not what you want."
0: No, you have you have super shaky offensive line and a 500 college coach who has just never done the job before. Like those are two major red flags.
1: I want to talk, talk about And I'm not, I'm, I, I don't talk love his offense. weapons either. So all of those points are fair. Let's talk about all of them. Weapons first. Let's, let's, let's save Cliff in the offense because that's obviously like the, the most essential thing other than just Kyler's pure ability. Running back, Dave Johnson, healthy.
0: Above average, at least. Well above
1: average. Yeah. Receivers, the eternal Larry Fitzgerald. How effective will he be this year? Who knows, but he's still there will probably find a way to catch, like, 85 passes.
0: He's still there. Is such a great scouting report. He's still there. There
1: for Sherrod. He's still there. Jeff Chow likes to say that when we're, when we're strategizing for our fantasy football drafts, more so with baseball but also for football, i love to say, well, if he's healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: He's still there. It's just another version. He's still there. If he's one. healthy. There's literally something That was Reggie to, Wayne
0: on the Colts for, are like, Are you just on years? the field? Yeah. But
1: then Christian Kirk, I love...
0: A lot of sleeper bus.
1: I love... I loved him but at a.m. he needs M. to be
0: really good, though. Like, he needs to become a number one. Because he ne- they it can't be Larry him, Fitz.
1: They need him or Hakeem Butler to be basically a star. I'm dubious. Crabtree is also on the team, but mm. I think we know what we're getting with Michael Crabtree at this point. Well, so
0: they're playing the Lions in week one. I almost took the Lions because the Lions are favored by two and a half in Arizona. And I was like, that's curious because... Uh-huh. The Lions aren't good and they have Matt Patricia as their coach. And Vegas thinks they should be favored. That's a red flag for the Cardinals.
1: The thing is, they have a pass rush. Right. So Trey Flowers, they added Mike Daniels to the D line. Yeah. Yeah. They can
0: go, they can send the farm at him. Yeah.
1: That's going to be a tough thing for Kyler to have to process in his first. So would you
0: believe this? Would you believe the narrative of they actually look terrible in week one and then people overreact to the Lions and then things settle down? As the next few games go along.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you always have to bake in some measure of time and experience for a rookie quarterback. Like, that's that's definitely
0: part He'll of it. He'll have moments and whatever. I like what you said, though, about some, like, we love watching football because of the star power and stuff. But even, like, further than that, I love watching some of these just awesome one-of-a-kind athletes. Yes. And he's definitely one of those guys that is just, like Mahomes last year, we all got so excited not just because he was putting up stats, but he was throwing passes at weird angles and doing things I'd just never seen a football player do before. Yeah. And that's why I really miss Gronk on the Pats. It was another guy like that. Yeah, I brought him up.
1: I, I but just, I can't young believe Gronk
0: that. was like the best patriot of my life. I just can't believe how good he was. And he was like a horse running through the wilderness, just knocking over yeah. Cowboys. Um, but Kyler. anyway, I think Kyler is in that kind of weird, freaky athletic.
1: Totally, there's some like it. It's kind of a transcendent experience to watch him play football. It's just not a normal thing.
0: Especially when he'll be running for his life, it'll be even more transcendent.
1: So the way that he like, don't die, <laughs> but the way that he runs is actually part of it. It's it's simultaneously part of the false narrative and part of what's actually really fun about watching him. I think people think because he's such a gifted athlete that he's a, a run first quarterback and that just is not true. He's a passer. He's a pocket passer. Now, yeah. it's fair to ask if somebody who's 5'8 can be a pocket passer in the NFL. I think he can be if they can protect him well enough, which again Drew is Brees a big
0: is 5'8. Nobody yeah. knows, nobody realized that. No, Drew he's Brees, literally
1: 5'8. Russell Wilson, Baker. Russell Wilson's 5'6. The thing six. is they have different bodies. They're they're bigger than Kyler. They are. Yeah. But I still think he's just such a special talent. When he when he has to run though, it it's it's like watching the wind.
0: It you is know? funny. Like I, I, was in a room with Flutie once.
1: Yeah, and who was t- five eight, five nine.
0: Yeah. And you know the guy's small, and you've watched him in football. But when you're actually in the room, you're like, God, yeah. How are you a quarterback? Like they, it's just kind of jarring.
1: Yeah, Kyler Murray is a small guy.
0: Five eight is like how tall Tom Cruise is.
1: It definitely is not.
0: You think Tom Cruise is shorter? Yes. <laughs> he's 5'7. <five seven. laughs> he's sure. an inch taller than Tom Cruise. Yeah.
1: It's like if Kyler Murray had been playing the Jon Snow role in Game of Thrones, they would have had just as many jokes about Jon Snow's height. You <laughs> it's know, it's, just it's, it's as one many of those creative things. camera angles. But I think it's going to be okay. He's just, he's so inventive and innovative. And then when he throws, he throws a perfect deep ball, he has a perfect spiral. His completion percentage in college was close to 70. As rocky as the preseason was, he, he was north of 60 with his completion percentage. And then you get to the offense, and that's really the key. It's this combo. You know, Cliff Kingsbury was fired from Texas Tech, like a middling Big 12 program. Yeah. it. I don't think we spent enough time talking about the fact that he is an NFL head coach one year later. I.
0: It's certainly on my radar.
1: There was a brief stop as USC's offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then this happened. When he was still coaching in college, he was on the record saying that he would take Kyler Murray number one in the draft if he ever had the chance to do so. He believes in Kyler Murray fully. Like, there's nothing ambiguous about it. It's not one of these things where it's like, does the team believe in the kid they drafted? Do they actually think this can work? There's a reason that they hired Cliff Kingsbury to build this offense. There's a reason they traded Josh Rosen. They think this can work. And the other thing with the Cliff history is that Okay, air raid coach, right? For anyone who, who doesn't know that. Offensive guru. Famously was, was John, Johnny Manziel's coach when in his yeah. electric season. Heard of him. Uh, arguably just as famously was Baker Mayfield's coach at Texas Tech and let Baker Mayfield leave to go to Oklahoma, which is, again, it's not what you want. Tough <laughs> you, one. You hate to see it. They did not get along. That's a thing. That's like a fun sports beef that I look forward to seeing play out in the NFL. He's Defenses. The Texas Tech defenses were like historically bad every year, but his offenses were as good. It sounds and he like also had like Mahomes
0: Ma- at Texas Tech. He sounds like Mike D'Antoni. All offense, no defense.
1: Yeah, but that might be that might work if they can get the defensive coaching staff in place.
0: Well, this was always Roger Sherman's theory about the NFL that they should just care about offense and just completely throw away defense.
1: I mean, the Cardinals still have Good players on defense, but they hired a head coach to be their offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. That's what they did.
0: All right. So we got to move to number one. It's going to be great. So Kyler, Kyler and Cliff. Yeah.
1: It's going to be you fun. You don't know
0: what's going to happen, but, but you can't titillated. wait to find out. I can't okay. wait to find out. All right. Number one on the list, I can guess.
1: It's another duo. Okay. For different reasons, I am more intrigued about. Two wide receivers than I I am about anything else heading into the first week of the football season. Odell Beckham. And Antonio Brown. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about Odell first. and Let's let's end on Antonio. The only way to end, I think.
0: As his career ends.
1: (laughs) I mean, sure. We both know he's going to be a Patriot. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Kyle, can you clip that soundbite so that when he's a Patriot in two weeks and Bill is... Celebrating it, singing his praises, talking about how this was predestined from the moment that they recorded a podcast together in this very office. We
0: never did a podcast. We just, we hung out. Never Common actually recorded a podcast. Kyle would have remembered it. Common
2: misconception.
0: Yeah. More fake news.
1: Uh huh. Posted an Instagram. More,
0: more fake news about the Patriots.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Odell and Antonio Brown, obviously, yeah. two of the five most. Important and defining receivers in the sport in the last five years, both on new teams, both in uniquely interesting situations. Odell, I, I will say there were some alarming updates today about his hip. Oh no! I don't know if you saw this. He he had a. Let me find the quote. Oh no! Mary Kay Cabot had a had a piece today. Odell talking about his hip because he he didn't play in the preseason. He practiced, but he didn't play in any of the games. He's been dealing with this hip injury and it seemed like it was totally fine once he was cleared to practice. And he said, it's like an extremely fast car with the alignment off. The car can still go, but it's dangerous. Uh, That is... What does that mean? Extremely alarming to hear. Oh, Jesus. And a huge bummer because until I saw that quote just a couple hours ago, I was like, Odell is going to basically have 1,600 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns, and Odell and Baker are going to be the most energizing, exciting duo in the entire sport. And I'm a Ravens fan, so that pains me, but as a football fan, it absolutely exhilarates it me. It had some
0: 07 o- Moss Brady potential.
1: I hope that this hip thing passes quickly because the Bra- the Browns are the team, the, the the it team, the most hyped team in the offseason, the most hyped team heading into the season. Obviously, you and... and Sal spent a long time talking about whether that's overblown and whether they can follow through on it but I think Odell was a little bit separate from the hype as just a purely good thing that people were excited about like, people
0: were excited to have him with a real QB yeah for 16 games and it had never happened in his in whole a real career real
1: offense you know catching passes from Baker I mean you're gonna you're gonna hear from the Giants fans on staff about what you just said
0: I guess the first his rookie year I guess Eli still was not a corpse yet <sighs> That's fair.
1: Showing some corpse-like tendencies, but was not a full-on... He wasn't a full full formaldehyde. (laughs) Zombie (laughs) dead body reanimated by time-sensitive magic for three and a half hours every week. And we'll we'll actually find out midway through this year that Daniel Jones is a literal clone built from a strand of Eli's... Like when you Bama clone, Bangs Halo, hair. Gonna
0: clone Halo, you're going to clone Halo. I would never lock it down. No, I would never. You're definitely do no, that. No, I would
1: never. He's an original one of one. <laughs> <But that's-
0: laughs> you're just going to search the streets for another Halo?
1: <laughs> He'll be with right. me forever. We're, I'm
0: with you on the Odell career year that I, we now feel like we've been cheated out of if he's actually a little banged up.
1: Also, you love Nick Chubb more than anyone I alive loves anything, I spend- probably.
0: $48 on him. And you know what? I would do That's it again. That, that is...
1: Lucris.
0: I think he's going to be one of the top three running backs. So, $200 budget, though. Yeah, but I wanted a, I wanted a top three running back. And I felt like instead of spending $59 for Alvin Kamara, I get Nick Chubb for 48 I get more dollars
1: Crazy. You know what else I'm excited about with Odell? With Jarvis Landry. Best buds.
0: You know I love when LSU brothers... Teammates. When brothers and buddies play, I love it.
1: Together again. It's just going to be so fun. And I can't wait and I hope he's healthy.
0: Okay. Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah. This is one of those things where it's definitely probably got here a while ago, but it's definitely firmly in the, can we make fun of this anymore? Because it's so alarming territory.
0: House and I discussed this earlier. There's, it's, it's, it's alarming.
1: So that caveat, I think is important to say out loud. However, this is definitely one of the weirdest sports stories of all time. Here's today's update. And we should say this, could, this might be outdated by the time this airs. Like, things yeah. are happening quickly. But no, none of the updates will be good. I think we can say that with confidence. A debacle with the Steelers. Wanted to get out of there. Traded for nothing. With the Raiders. And every step of the way since he's been there, it has been some sort of circus. First, the frostbitten feet. Yeah. That he described as circumcised because the process for rehabbing was just removing layers of the skin that had been frozen off because he didn't wear the proper footwear into a cryotherapy chamber. That's a thing that happened. Okay. (laughs) To be a, a, a receiver, period, but certainly one with elite speed, you need the, the soles of your feet to be, like, intact and featuring living skin cells. I think that's part of it, generally.
0: I've always heard that.
1: Next, helmet Gabe. I don't even know how to succinctly sum this up. He f- was not allowed to wear the helmet that he had been wearing because and we know,
0: we know the helmet gate story. You right. don't have to recap okay, it. So
1: he finally finds the helmet.
0: He, he wanted to wear the unsafe helmet. He's like me refusing to put my seatbelt on. Only he's playing professional football.
1: Yeah. Well, you're doing an important thing here, too. So please put your seatbelt on well, and be safe. At least need I have you. my foot cells. I got to tell you, driving with you can be scary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Kyle, Kyle knows.
0: I'm a results guy. When was the last story you heard of me hitting another car?
1: I haven't heard anything because yeah, all, I, all I, I can no hear survivors. is the beeping from the alarm because <laughs> your seatbelt's not on.
0: Well, it goes. The the alarm stops eventually. <laughs> you just have to wait a minute.
1: So he finally picks the helmet that he's going to use. All of his teammates are making fun of him on Hard Knock, saying he looks like a Power Ranger. It's got this little, like, point in the back. It's very yeah. funny. Clear, like, a lot of theories around how, like, the bag was dropped. This is an endorsement play. The long con, yada, 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 whatever. Like, your mileage may vary on whether that's legit or not. It kind of doesn't matter. It dominated the whole preseason. Earlier this week, he was fined by Mike Mayock, GM of the Raiders, And Antonio Brown then posted the letter about the fine. The fine was for missing team activities, mandatory activities, a walkthrough, et cetera. $54,000, I think, in fines. Antonio Brown posted that on Instagram. (laughs) Bad sign. (laughs) With a message about, oh, your own team. And the reports that came out today were that Mayak was furious that they got into it with each other. Initial reports indicated a physical altercation that teammates had to hold Antonio Brown back. I,
0: I never believed that.
1: Teammates including... This is the part where you're like, this is not real. Vontez Perfect. One of the people stopping a fight? Yeah. I don't think so. My <laughs> fact-checking sensors go off there. Then reports are like, okay, there, it was a screaming match. wasn't physical. But then Antonio Brown threatened to punch Mac in the face punted a football and said find this. Well,
0: there is video of that. He right. did throw so a football happened. over the stance.
1: What's the upshot? The upshot is that the Raiders are now threatening or saying they're going to, according to reports, suspend Antonio Brown. Then the next wave of coverage around this says that because of a suspension, they would be able to void his contract. 21 or excuse me, 29 million guaranteed $1 million signing bonus. They can get out of the deal and release him with zero
0: cap hit. How about the agent that came up with that contract? Rough. Tough one.
1: Really rough. So – there's a whole bunch of chatter online about how Gruden's going to have to decide whether he cares more about having Brown on the team or making Mayock feel like he's his guy. Who knows if that's legit or not? But this is a fucking debacle. Like, this is a mess. He's supposed to be there as an elite offensive weapon and a prime he, receiver for and Derek like Carr. One of the
0: four best receivers of all time.
1: Yes. And one of the things that was actually cool about Hard Knocks was seeing his conditioning program, the way he studies data, the advanced metrics. Like, he takes that stuff extremely seriously. He's not... hes He doesn't appear to be a, I'll just show up and it'll be okay guy. Like, he wants to be great, but doesn't seem to be able to get out of his own way. So what's your prediction? I don't think we're ever going to see him play a game for the Raiders.
0: I don't think so either. It I said really that is starting to feel House like and I that. I talked about it before. I don't, I don't think he ever plays for them.
1: And what's so amazing about it is it is more intriguing than anything that has a chance to play out on an actual football field this Sunday because it is so, so surreal and bizarre. And you know who's happy about it and this part is sickening? Pittsburgh Steelers fans, who I deplore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will say, Pat Muldowney, Steelers fan who works for us, was walking around today like he had just won the lottery. Oh, my God. While having his back rubbed by 17 supermodels I, i've never seen anybody happier i just saw him through my window he was just walking back and forth in front of my window just i think to show me how happy he was they're bathing in the schudenfreud
1: real Is that rest- how you say it real restraint they're saying back rub proud of you
0: back rub thank you yeah proud i caught you. myself at the tail I end i know have no, a pat <laughs> man they're all, the Steelers have fans so are We so many Steelers
1: fans. Pat, Corey, Zach Cram, Ben Glicksman. Well, they
0: haven't won a Super Bowl in like a decade. I mean, they, this is their biggest victory.
1: They're so annoying.
0: The decade started with Tim Tebow <laughs> beating them in a playoff game, and it's been all downhill ever since. So this is their biggest win.
1: It is. You're right. And they've got Juju
0: playing um, Fortnite,
1: catching touchdowns. Well that was touchdowns. a good list. Thank you.
0: I really enjoyed Mallory's Most Intriguing. I look forward to hearing more next week.
1: Thank you. I look forward to being here next week. I can't wait to talk about high school football and fantasy literature with you. It's
0: going to be fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thanks to House. Thanks to Mallory. Thanks to Nephew Kyle. Look forward to watching football with him on Sunday. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. And thanks to FanDuel. Don't forget to go to FanDuel.com slash Ringer. Enter. Enter before Sunday, before the game start. You can try to beat me and Sal in the trifecta. We'll be back Sunday night with the Cuz Guest Alliance we 2. I cannot wait for football. Here we go.